Hello everybody, future editing Mareike quickly checking in because I wanted to start this little podcast episode with a disclaimer. As you will hear in a second, it was super spontaneous to switch over to this theme, so I forgot to talk about one very important topic. I will speak about China and my experiences that I had 10 years ago, about all of the wonderful people that I met there. And of course, those are very fond memories that I will cherish forever and that were really, really impactful for me in my life. However, just want to put it out there that I distance myself from any political things happening in China. And with that, I wish you a lot of fun with this episode. Hello everyone and welcome to the Child of the Library podcast, where we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. I cannot really believe what day it is today. It is the 1st of December 2022, which means that today, 10 years ago, I started my little adventure and went to live in Beijing for six months. When I thought about, hey, what can I record the next time? I actually had something planned and like mapped out because very recently I got back in touch with friends from Beijing that I actually met there. And we got back in touch. We started to talk. We started to send each other voice messages. And it was so nice to catch up with them and, you know, find out what they are currently up to. We all met, I think, two or three years after we all left Beijing in Paris. But this has been so long ago now. And it was so super fun to just catch up and, yeah, <laughs> become a part of each other's lives again. That was so really cool. And this really, you know as you do, sent me down a rabbit hole of listening to old music. So I had this whole plan going through an old throwback playlist, pick my most favorite songs and match them with books, which I was super excited for. I did all my research. I have it all here. But then I stopped for a second and I was like, maybe I should talk a bit about Beijing first. <laughs> also given the fact that it is actually the 10 year anniversary when I went to Beijing. So just me. <laughs> talking about my time when I went to the capital of China. And why? Because the first time that I went to China was at 16, which is not the most common place to go at that age. So let me start from the beginning. So when I actually think back to the very, very beginning, it probably starts with my mother always having an interest in the Asian cultures and everything. And, you know, so I had like in the way how was possible for us already a connection point with Asia. Then in 2008, back then, I was still a competitive swimmer and I was actually doing pretty okay at that. So of course, I was watching the Olympic Games and this was always a big, big thing for my family. We all watched it together. Of course, for me, especially the swimming competition was very emotional for me. So back in 2008, I was 14 and I was, I think for the first time, watching the Olympic Games with a super keen eye also for the culture. I have very, very fond memories of me watching, for example, the 2000 Olympic Games that were in Sydney and not understanding a word because 
of course. When it comes to the Olympic song and everything, everything was in English. And at six years old, I did not know enough English to actually understand. And then I had this real epiphany moment when I listened to that song again after, I don't know, how old was I? 20? maybe? Yeah, let's say 20. And of course, being so much more proficient in that language. And I suddenly listened to that song again. And all of these memories came rushing back to me of, you know, little Marike at six years old, sitting in their grandparents' living room, watching the Olympic Games, listening to that song, really loving it, but not understanding a word. And then finally, so many years later, knowing what they were singing about. So yes, the Olympic Games have always been very, very important to me and also to my family. So this was a big event. And of course, with 14, the first time also absorbing the culture and having seen that Olympic opening ceremony, which is of course totally choreographed, no question about that. But I was so fascinated and mesmerized. And I think really the turning point when I started to become interested in the Chinese language was when there was this one German athlete. You know, she was German. She had no like cultural ties from like a family background to China. I don't remember her name, but I think she was a fencer, but she was fluent in Chinese. She just learned the language as someone from Germany and she became fluent. And when she went to the Olympic Games in Beijing, she won gold and she of course went to a lot of interviews, but not only with English speaking or German speaking journalists, but also with Chinese speaking journalists. She was on Chinese morning TV and I thought this was just so incredible that someone with no cultural ties at all learns a language that is so different from their mother tongue. And I got so fascinated with the idea to learn Chinese myself. So what do you do at 14 in 2008? You buy yourself a book that also has a CD with it and you start to learn a few words. And then I actually changed schools for different reasons but the new school actually had a Chinese class. One of the very, very few ones in Germany where you could actually learn Chinese as a foreign language in school. So this was, of course, a big, big plus point for me to actually decide to go to that school. And this probably really was the starting point of that whole China journey. And ultimately getting back in touch again with my friends from China now in 2022. So I go to that school, I learn Chinese, we also did an internship in a foreign country. So every student was sent into a foreign country to a company that was a partner company to the school. And you would apply to that specific spot. I applied to Beijing. And the specific thing about that Beijing spot was that there was only one. There were others in China where there were more people gathered in one place, like for example in Shanghai. But in Beijing, there was only one spot. And for some reason, I really, really liked all of my classmates. If I would have gone to Shanghai, I'm sure we would have had a lovely time. But for some reason, I really wanted to go to the capital of China because that was what I had seen in my 2008 Olympic game experience. So I applied there back then I was 16. I had one month of internship there from October to November and I had a really, really cool time. Of course, sometimes some cultural differences. 
The first one and the one that I always love to talk about most is about the heating situation. Because as you can imagine, Beijing is relatively far north and it gets cold in October. <laughs> it really does, especially when you don't have three glass insulated windows. After a while, it started to get relatively cold in my room and I had a heating system like the ones that we know from Western countries. But even if you switched it on, it wouldn't work because it was centrally regulated and in October the time had not yet come to switch on the official heating. What I did not know at the time is that the air conditioning is also able to heat. Don't get me started on this. I was 16. <laughs> I had no experience with China. I had never really been to another country that was cold. I had only been to countries outside of Germany that had been warm at that time. So I knew an air conditioning from making a room cooler but not hotter so I was really really cold and the father from my host family came back from a business trip after two weeks or something and he came into my room and he was wow it's cold in here do you like it that cold in Germany I was like no I'm actually freezing I'm covering myself with blankets I mean it's such a lovely room but it's really cold and the heating doesn't work and he was like did you switch on the air conditioning yeah but I don't want to have it cooler and he then educated me on that it can actually make the room warm Yes, it was very embarrassing. But it is a story that really, really shows me that, first of all, at a certain age, you just cannot know everything. Back then, the internet was also not, like, it was a big thing, but you didn't have it, like, at the tip of your fingers, like you have it today with smartphones and everything. So I also did not really think about educating myself on the internet, on the possibilities of eating in China. So, yeah, <laughs> that happened. I had a really lovely time and I had a really cool encounter because when I went there I was a person under 18 going to a very different country and the lovely thing was that the company and my school also provided me with a spot in an au pair agency you know that they have someone official that I could talk to in case there's something up at work or something up with my host family which never really was but you know just in case it's always good to have a backup who could help me with official things like going to the embassy or going to the police because in Beijing you have to register when you come there and live there for a certain period of time and who also picked me up from the airport. So it was really, really lovely. And I remember the agent that was assigned to me and when he picked me up from the airport, we were having small talk and he mentioned casually that, yeah, you know, in our au pair agency, there's this other guy who's also from Germany and who knows, maybe you will get to know him. His name is Valentine, by the way. And, you know, I registered the name and I kept it at the back of my memory but I never really thought that I would meet him because Beijing is a giant city with so many million people so I never really thought that in my one month I would ever meet someone else from Germany maybe apart from the people actually working in my company so I had a lovely time at some point actually the birthday from my host child came around and we were preparing a little party and she was saying yeah you know I have two friends coming over one of them also has an pair she was super cute and I decorated everything for her we even got a cake and everything so it was a really nice party and when my host child's friend came finally over the au pair was literally stretching out his hand to me oh yeah right I remember someone saying that there would be another German person here by the way I'm Valentine and it was like seriously from all the people <laughs> 
Enraging. The friend from my host child actually has that one German au pair that I know about. <laughs> so that was really fun because he could educate me on a few cultural differences that he experienced when he first came to China. And that really, really helped me. And because through him, I got much more of a better understanding what the au pair agency actually does. And I started to realize that this is possibly something that I want to do after I finish high school. When I finally finished my A-levels, I worked for a couple of months. But even I think in the spring of 2012, I started to apply with that agency and they sent through a proposal of a host family to me and it looked really cool. They had a very nice apartment in Beijing and they even set up a little interview <laughs> with my host family. And when everything clicked, it was said that I would leave for China to arrive on the 1st of December 2012. So this is where we are now, 10 years later, and me benefiting so much from my time in China because I learned so many things about myself, about getting along on your own in sometimes difficult situations, about cultural differences and how they can be lovely and sometimes a bit hard to understand, but it's always good to give everyone some grace, give yourself some grace in understanding and then find a common ground and move on. So overall, my six months in Beijing were really, really cool. I had lovely experiences. I even got to travel, which was so lovely. I saved up all of the holidays that I had and I did two big trips on my own <laughs> because there was another big trip that I did together with my host family. But the ones that I really did for myself to experience the Chinese culture also outside of Beijing was the first one going to Xi'an, which is the old capital where you, for example, also have the terracotta army, which is something that a lot of people know about. And I really, really, really wanted to see that. Went there on my own, bought a train ticket. Back then I knew enough Chinese to buy the train ticket and actually buy it to the right destination at the right time. And I managed to be at the right station at the right time to be picked up by the train. That in itself was a big accomplishment for me. And the time in Xi'an was so lovely. Of course, the terracotta army was absolutely breathtakingly fascinating in a horrifying way. <laughs> When you stand there and you're like, wow, This is such a vast expense of these terracotta army warriors standing there. And then you realize that each of their faces is formed differently because it's modeled after a warrior that then was killed after the terracotta counter image was finished because this person cannot live if it's supposed to save and protect its emperor in the afterlife. It was so dark. And then the other trip I did was more to the south where I went to Suzhou, which is sort of like the Venice of China with a lot of canals and wonderful gardens. And Suzhou is really a high, high, high recommendation from me for everyone who wants to travel to China and wants to go outside of the big cities. And then also Nanjing and Shanghai. So for a back then 18, 19 year old, I got around quite well. But of course, the majority of my time I spent in Beijing, where I made such crazy cool experiences, where I met so many people from so many different countries, where I got to experience so much wonderful Chinese food, meeting people from China who I am still in contact with, and overall really growing 
as a person. There are so many stories, like I'm currently looking at the time <laughs> on my recording system. And I think I could talk about Beijing for hours, literally hours. But probably for the sake of this podcast, I will wrap it up soon and segue back into the fact that I met lovely people there, which are specifically three people that I want to call out. The first one being a very, very lovely friend from Italy, who then afterwards traveled to Paris, who has been living there and studying there and now working there for the past couple of years. This is also one of the reasons why I went to Paris at some point, because so many of my friends were actually gathered there. It was really fun because you meet people at the other side of the globe in Beijing and for some reason they all gather in a place that is relatively near to you afterwards so that you can meet up and that was so cool. Then we also had a really 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 lovely girl who really was a strong support while I was in Beijing with her experience that she made in her host family. She originally came from Ecuador and she was also staying in Paris back in the day so I got to meet her again and we shared so many lovely Lovely times in Beijing in a salsa club called La Caribe. I have to admit, I've never been to such an incredibly cool salsa club than back in Beijing, which is ridiculous if you think about it. But it was probably the entire surrounding of, you know, being young, not yet being in university, having finished school, not really having a lot of ties back in the day, you know, just letting loose for like an evening, having friends from Latin American countries who can teach you the dance like more profoundly than what I learned in dance school and just having a wonderful time. So I have incredible memories about those days because that was actually our like go-to club whenever we wanted to go. And I remember also going there on my birthday. <laughs> It was just such a lovely pastime. And then of course, another friend who originally with his family came from Paris. So like Paris apparently is the hub for Beijing au pairs to be when it comes to that. This, and I think I mentioned this in the first or second episode of this podcast, my time in Beijing was also the time where I really, really got back into reading for myself and also reading in English. So of course I had a lot of friends from very different countries and our main common language, maybe apart from Chinese, was English. And of course we were talking mostly in English. So for me and for my brain, the most obvious choice was to read in English. And back in the day, luckily my godmother and her husband got me an e-reader. And back in 2012, that was a big thing. E-readers were not as common as now, but it had 3G, so I could download ebooks wherever I wanted. I did not need to use Wi-Fi or anything. I was super independent. I did not need to go to a bookstore to like actually physically buy books. Because yes, of course, there are English sections, but obviously the vast majority of books is in Chinese. So with that e-reader, I was so very, very well equipped to turn myself into an English reader in Beijing. But going to bookstores in Beijing 
even though you did not understand a whole lot, was still a lovely experience because I don't know if you ever had that, especially when you are someone who's reading in a language that is different from your mother tongue or when you travel to a lot of countries that are different when it comes to the language that is actually spoken there. When you go into a bookshop that has a majority of books that are not something that you understand, there is still such a magical feeling that comes over you because you know that there's so much out there that is still to be discovered, there is so much there is still to learn and if you ever, and I tell you I have been in so many lows when it comes to my Chinese speaking journey and Chinese learning journey. There were so many times where I wanted to quit even back in the day when I was still learning it in school. There were so many times where I was just so overwhelmed by that language and I just always told myself, keep going, keep going. Do you remember when you saw that interview with that fencer from Germany? Do you remember in that one movie when you suddenly started to understand something? Do you remember back in 2012 when you were watching Digimon <laughs> with your host child in Chinese and you started to understand what they were saying after a couple of episodes? And yes, to be honest, one of the most random pieces of vocabulary that I picked up in Beijing is probably the verb to digitate. <laughs> It is really super random, but I'm very proud that to this day I still remember that vocab. And these are really those tidbits that motivate you, that make you progress as a person, that make you progress as a reader. This is probably going to be a long episode, so I will cut it here. In case you ever want to hear more Beijing stories, I'm always here for that. And with that, until next time, I hope that we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. Bye! Bye!